1: On round two, let's say good morning to News Talk 1010's Jason Agnew. Pavan Brach is here, a serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development, also a part-time farmer. Tamara Cherry is here as well from Pickup Communications. I'd say happy Friday, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of happiness in the village today. Um, Let me start with Jason Agnew, actually. We have the uh, workers who walked out even though they were told they were going to face fines and the strike was illegal. So um, 55,000 people who work for CUPE, who are educators, custodians, support workers, the like, are not working today. And as such, parents are trying to figure out what to do with the kids. I'll let you take this in any direction because everybody's got an opinion.
2: Well, John, I mean, I do not have a horse in the race. I don't have kids, but I'm staring at this and it just feels like mom and dad are divorced and they're not doing what's good for the children here. They're arguing and the kids are right there watching.
1: Okay, I'm trying to think of how to advance that uh, analogy because then you get into one of the parties having passed a law and told the other party, you can't do something, and then they're doing it again and doing it themselves. Uh, Tamara Cherry.
0: Uh, Yeah, I, I won't even try to advance that Uh, analogy, because it was it was good on its own, Jason. But, um, you know, I I am one of those people that, you know, I know people were calling into your show today, John, talking about how the victims are the children. And of course, the victims are the children. But I think we also need to recognize, you know, beyond the villainizing of um, education's staff by the provincial government that teachers and and school staff are also often victims because of underfunding and when teachers are victimized because of underfunding they are burning out they don't have enough support and the good teachers are leaving the profession and then children are further victimized so i i think it's quite disgusting that the notwithstanding clause was used in this um i i think that a lot of people should be worried about that well beyond the education sector but i also think that The provincial government, just as my provincial government here in Saskatchewan for years has neglected to provide proper supports, especially to the kids that need it the most. And I'm thinking about the the support staff that are in classrooms when I make that comment.
1: And Pavan, I'm trying to remember back in Montreal when I was growing up, if you wanted to end a discussion and everything had to stay exactly as you had just said, you'd say something like stamp it, lock it, black magic. But that seems to be what the notwithstanding clause is becoming. It's like, okay, just in case this doesn't fly in the courts we're going to invoke the
3: notwithstanding clause let's keep going yeah the air force equivalent of eject 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 so <laughs> uh yeah no it's uh, you know it's it's interesting because i don't you know i couldn't understand when it was that you know legislating against uh, or or back to work legislation was was not permitted or was a violation of the charter of rights and and so i i went back and looked and it turns out that that, that decision was made Not not when the Charter was written, but in fact, at a court case uh, that was held in Saskatchewan back in 2015, where the Supreme Court decided uh, on behalf of our country that that was their interpretation and that back to work legislation was a violation of the Charter. And, you know, so, I mean, I, I, you know, so I think we've seen back to work legislation for centuries uh, since Canada was formed. I mean, the, and, and both the federal liberals and the federal, federal Tories who claim to be, you know, the best friend of labor have both done it and they've done it even, you know, since uh, since that decision was made, so you know, I think I think we do have to step back and say, I know I know we don't think that the the use of the uh, notwithstanding clause is appropriate, but I think we also have to remember that, that 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 this right for for unions was not actually originally anticipated, and I do hope that the government you know we'll sit down and and not take this too much further because before covid struck uh, our test scores were in decline we have a serious situation both sides have to come together and i do hope it gets resolved soon
1: some fairly colorful testimony yesterday at the judge's inquiry into the declaration of the Emergencies Act. Uh, it included Tamara Litch, one of the leaders of the convoy protests, talking about having this windfall of $24 million and then walking through the convoy protests and having people say, well, how are you going to divvy it up? When do we get a share? What are we doing with the money? What's going to happen next? But the most colorful testimony yesterday had to be coming from a fellow named James Botter, a guy who has a habit of calling Justin Trudeau-Justine, and then he got weepy on the stand in talking about what he thought the legacy of the convoy protests might be. It went as far as New Zealand, Australia, Paris, Belgium, Finland, and the Netherlands, right? Thank you. Yeah. And the
3: United Kingdom,
2: right?
3: Worldwide, we had the biggest unity movement in the world, and that goes down in history. And that's, that's all of us, Canada, thank you for coming together in unity and showing the world what this is all about. Thank
1: you. Okay, Pavan, for me anyway, this is just confirmation these many months later that the convoy protesters actually thought that somehow they were doing God's work, that this was like ending apartheid or something. And I think they have a somewhat (laughs) Mm -hmm. false impression of what they were doing and the impression it left.
3: Yeah, no, they, they, they are obviously convinced. Um, yeah, and you know, it just reminds me of uh, the broad swaths of of Americans that are now essentially kind of uh, taking the same points of view and are about to kind of overturn uh, the government in the U- in the US uh, you know, next week. There are a lot of folks who just are convinced that what they think is right, even though the facts uh, are staring them in the face. And there's no question that there was overreach on on our reaction and our response to the the pandemic. There is just absolutely no question. But at the same time, I think I think we're seeing groups of people who are just losing their their sense of reality and perspective.
1: Yeah, Jason Agnew, I mean, to have a man weeping while testifying about a global, what did he say, unprecedented global movement? It's like, no, you guys were staging a great big protest that shut down the Capitol, got broken up, you went home and that's it.
2: Yeah, I had my mic turned off during that, but I I heard it this morning, and this is the second time, and I burst out laughing uh, each time I heard it. Dude, what a sense of lunacy that has gone on, and the way that this man <laughs> thinks about what he did—it's absolutely nuts. Uh, but you know, he believes it. If he's if this, these are not crocodile tears here, you know, this is real. This is it's you know in in wrestling, John and uh, Robert Turner would would be on board with this. As me is there's there's some fans that still believe it's still real to me. And I feel like that is what this gentleman is believing. He's believing that he's doing something good and he is out to lunch. And tomorrow,
1: you get last word on this one. It reminds me a bit of um, a few months ago, there were farmers protesting in the Netherlands and right-wing media here in North America were convinced this was the start of the revolution that was going to end the great tyranny of global liberalism and George Soros. And then I would get texts from people and calls saying, why don't you talk about this story i'm not talking about it because it's a bunch of farmers in holland and nobody cares
0: yeah and when we say right-wing media can we just call out like the one journalist who has a million followers on can on twitter and who is constantly putting out disinformation and calls himself a journalist like i wouldn't even call that right-wing media but listen one word about yesterday unity it's all about unity. Unity one. I I couldn't get enough of hearing that word. And you also pointed out John that uh it was color colorful testimony. If you want to see colorful, you should watch the chat board on the uh the YouTube live feeds of this stuff because it, that actually gave me some hope that our country is not completely losing its mind because there's thousands of people watching it across the country at the same time thinking, what in the live streams anyway, thinking, what the hell is going on? I was, you know what, I was quite sad watching James Bowder thinking... Yeah, this guy has lost his mind, and how many more people are so unreachable? But then, like I said, it gave me it gave me hope seeing the commentary on the I think it was Global's YouTube feed.
1: Um, a poll from our friend John Wright at uh, Maru Public Opinion finds most Canadians don't feel like they understand financial. Uh, you know, things in their lives. Um, Pavan, you're an investor, so you probably understand all the instruments, but it's a little worrisome. (laughs) So many people feel that this is foreign stuff when, in fact, if you're not responsible for your finances, how are you going to get ready for your retirement?
3: Yeah, no. You know, it's it it still comes back to our education system, where where unfortunately we're not teaching folks the basic facts of life uh, around financial literacy, and uh, it's a significant issue. I mean, I remember studying, you know, taking commerce in university, and um, and you know the concept of mortgages or financing, uh, they weren't even properly taught. It was it was deep deep into the statistical and you know kind of uh, realm, and uh, so so we do have to do a much better job, and we ha- we have to surround, you know, that financial literacy also with much better skills around how to take control of of your future and make investments and create companies and be entrepreneurial and be innovative. So I think it's a a total package that's missing.
1: Well, and Tamara, this would explain why some people get into so much trouble with things like credit cards or lines of credit, and Mm. also why some people who have no idea what they're doing are dabbling in Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. You know, as we've watched interest rates rise consistently over the last several months, John, there's been some people that I've been thinking about in my life who bought into housing markets, like absolutely mortgaged to the hilt and wondering like how are they paying the bills right now because they borrowed as much as they could they borrowed privately in order to get into the real estate market and now and these are people with credit full credit cards everything like that like i i completely agree with Pavan. we need to be focusing on this stuff as as education for all in our school starting in elementary school we're trying to instill it in our kids now our our uh how old are they almost six and eight year olds now have their own bank accounts and i transfer their like 50 cent or one dollar and three dollars of allowance every week into their bank account and they can look at it on my phone and watch it grow. This needs to be normalized. It can't be something that kids opt into in high school as it was when I was in high school. But uh, yeah, we it, it's absolutely imperative.
1: I think, yeah, creating fiscal literacy is great with kids. But I was just wondering, your bank manager must be what? One dollar transfer? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Jason Agnew, the only comfort I take from this morning's poll would be that at least people admit they are not very financial literate so they know it.
2: They know it but are they doing anything to correct it? Uh, I, I agree with both the other panelists. This is something I did not learn in school and I wish I did. Now luckily I had a grandfather and a mum who taught me all about this and did something very similar to what Tamara is doing for her children and that is of value. Parents do need to take hold here because clearly the education system isn't teaching people the basics of investing and how to make their money work for them.
1: Thank you all. Great to have you this morning. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Jason Agnew, Pavan Brach, Tamara Cherry. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845.
3: Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010, Toronto.